0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan, and I still go to the refrigerator five times in the middle of the night, which explains why when I step on the scale, it goes, no. So I just wanted to get that off my chest. Tonight's focus of attention is going to be about premonition. Have you ever thought you'd be able to predict the future? Well, I do it on a daily basis. I just, you know, can sense that some things are going to happen. Usually, in marriage, I know that if I open my mouth, I'm going to get in trouble. So I don't know if that's necessarily psychic predictions, but we're actually going to talk about the scientific aspects of premonition. Our featured guest is very knowledgeable about this, so she's going to teach us some tools and techniques for how we can recognize patterns and how we can actually gauge the future. And I think, you know, any time we get a new new skill or tool, we can shape and carve our own destinies. So, let us begin tonight's program. Joining us now is Teresa Chung. She is a Sunday Times best-selling author in the fields of spirituality. She's got a great new book coming out called The Premonition Code, The Science of Free Cognition, How Sensing the Future Can Change Your Life. You can learn more about Ms. Chung by going to her website, at TeresaChung.com, and I'll spell it for you. It's T-H-E-R-E-S-A-Chung, C-H-E-U-N-G.com. Ms. Chung, welcome to the program. So lovely to have you with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, and I do want to point out that it is a co-authored book. Okay. Um, I'm from the U.K., if you can hear by my accent, but I'm co-authored with Dr. Julia Mossbridge, who is American. So it's a real American-Brit collaboration.
0: It's pretty awesome. 200 years ago, we were going to war. And now we're collaborating on our books together. See, it's is,
1: brilliant. Yes. I, I love I, the way I, it. and we have learned a lot through the collaboration <laughs> because Julia G- 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 and I are very, very different, but we are united by our, our fascination with time and precognition and unconditional love, really, and that's revealed in the book. Um, and we, we couldn't be more different. It's quite. Amusing, really. If if you if you, I do hope you get you talk to Julia soon um, at some point because she's a neuroscientist and and a real, you know, <laughs> cool scientist. Really, really, the facts, the facts. And I write about the paranormal and spirituality, so you can imagine the fun and games we had writing this book together, I- because. Julia, it's all about the science, and I'm, of course, going more more about I wanted the spirituality angle as well. So we, we might, hopefully we managed to find a compromise. <laughs>
0: well, that's fantastic, because that's exactly what the Outer Limits of Inner truth is about. It's about combining the science and metaphysics. So,
1: It is, yes.
0: The first question I have is, what is precognition?
1: Precognition is an ability to, to glimpse the future, to sense the future, to know what's happening before it ha- actually happens in the present moment.
0: And how are you able to tap into that?
1: Well, the book obviously will reveal that. There are many ways it can happen just um, without you even trying. Sometimes it just happens. It's like an unconditional gift that happens to you. But there are ways that you can train it. Meditation helps um, interpreting your dreams understanding the messages that your feelings send to you also messages from your physiology your body uh, increased heart rate uh, butterflies in the stomach trembling hands that kind of thing but also there are certain exercises and in the book we have um chapter 5 is a controlled scientific precognition where you can do what Dr Julia does every day she does it religiously Um, She does her control precognition, a series of steps that she takes you through that you know, you are doing this scientifically. And that was all so new to me because most of my books I would write about dream interpretation, intuition, tapping into your feelings, those kind of things. And Julia... Has brought some hardcore science into it, which is utterly fascinating.
0: Well, can we just explain um, some of the hardcore scientific aspects <laughs> about precognition?
1: <laughs> That's where you need Dr. Julia. Um, I struggled because that was um, one of the, the, the joys of the book as well. Because Julia, you know, being a scientist and neuroscientist, new would talk about the physics and the quantum theory and everything. And my role really was to try and make it understandable to the general reader because most of us don't study science at that intense level um so it, it is it is in the book there is science to it the science of time which is so fascinating because it's not obvious what we think of as the future and the present and the past that all needs rethinking we, we explain why in the book okay, well, um can you
0: give an example though like one exact one scientific example of how to uh, how you you know track precognition
1: how you track precognition is is by uh, taking note of your dreams your intuitions, your hunches, and by doing a daily controlled precognition exercise and, and charting your progress. Because the one thing with precognition, the more you focus on it, the more you think about it, and the more you work on it, it's like anything, the better you are going to get. It is a skill that can be learned. And, and I actually, through Julia, met a whole community of people who actually do this kind of thing for a living, you know, almost professional precogs. I found that absolutely fascinating. That's really it's something- awesome. I know it's wow. so exciting. I mean, there are people who are doing this for a living. You're working with the police or the stock market, looking at trends and using precognitive abilities from a sci- scientifically, and that is so interesting. And Julia has pioneered that. I mean, her her research into pre sentiment, which is when the body senses what is going to happen before it happens, it, it has been scientifically recorded and and has great respect within the scientific community. And it it, it we I think. As a paranormal writer, this is the future for me because I've been writing about the paranormal for 20 years and I came from it from an anecdotal perspective, a believer's perspective. But when I went onto social media about three years ago, um, of course, when you go on social media, for the first time ever, I went on social media and I was hounded out by people saying, where's the science, where's the proof? And that triggered me to go and reach out to scientists like Dr. Julian Mossbridge, like Dr. Dean Radin, people like that who are researching the paranormal scientifically. Because I wanted to come back to these people who were, you know, kind of almost trolling me when I went online um, to say, look, here are some experiments. Here is some science. And it's, it's been a wonderful exercise because I now have an army of, of anecdotes, of science, science to offer. When, I'm, when that's thrown at me for interviews that I do for the press or when I go online, because frequently now it's, it's saying, okay, it's all very nice what you talk about, people having psychic abilities, people believing in life after death, all this kind of thing that I write about, where's the science? And then again, the thing that was always thrown at me was the James Randi Challenge, the very famous James Randi Challenge. We want to you have him
0: on the show, by the way. I mean, there are a lot of questions I would love to ask him, but he's...
1: he's brilliant i mean i actually really admire james Randi, and i think he's a seeker of the truth and i i love what he's doing but i feel that people who should be testing precognition and psychic powers should not be magicians they should be scientists who are objective um and i think that's been a flaw with a lot of the psychic testing it needs to be done scientifically so that there's no bias because when I speak to the scientists I, I now work with, because I have done quite a lot of work with, with some scientists at IONS, um, the Institute of Noetic Science, um, um, I, I say to them, "Well, you, know, you must be believers, in, because you're researching this, and they all say to me, what we believe doesn't matter, before our beliefs, we are scientists, so if there's no data to prove that there's something there, we have to record that. We are looking at all these paranormal experiences from a scientific perspective. And one thing some, they said to me as well, that in any other area of life, the amount of anecdotal evidence you have for psychic ability, that would be studied and recorded as data. There are so, I mean, I know that as a, as a paranormal writer, I mean, most of the, the lifeblood of my books is my reader letters. And some of my books are a collection simply of my readers' experiences and stories. Yeah. It, it's evidence. In a court of law, it, it's witness statements. It's evidence.
0: Well, it, it, Teresa, I want to ask you this. What are some of the tool? what are some of the exercises, maybe one or two exercises that you can do every day to develop your ability? To have- well,
1: the one I, I'm passionate about because you know I'm, I've, I've written some um, very big dream encyclopedias is, is interpreting your dreams. That is the big exercise you okay. can do. because That is the way that you'll, first of all, a lot of dreams are actually predictive, and I'm sure we've all had this almost all of us will have had a dream and then a few days later maybe events in that dream have played out in real life and that's happened to me many many times and that's that's the first glimpse that you can do and the more attention you pay to your dreams the more likely you're you're to have them so i would think one of the, the best tips i can give is to start keeping a dream journal and the minute you wake up not a few minutes after don't brush your teeth record those images because as soon as you wake up the images fade and and you can look back and see that your dreaming mind is giving you hints about a possible future.
0: Already. Is that your future? Or is that about the cl- collective future? How, how do you know the difference between what's going to happen in your life, what's going to happen on a collective scale? Uh,
1: what's going to happen in your life and what's going to happen collective scale? If we look at it from a deeply spiritual perspective, they're one and the same. Because you know what what happens to you happens to to everybody. Um, how you can distinguish it is 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 when it's you want to take action i found that when I get hunches or intuitive hunches or, or dreams that really speak to me, I, want, I immediately want to take action. There's a calmness, and I know I've got to do something. There's no sort of hesitation in my head. That's when I know that it's personal to me and it's true precognition. If you have a kind of a feeling of dread, but there are lots of voices and questions and anxieties in your head, that's not precognition. That's anxiety. And it's the same with wishful thinking as well, when you're like, you know, you, you hope something's going to happen so much. Is that precognition or is it just wishful thinking? One of the, the surefire ways to know the difference is you want to actually take some action. You just know that you've got to do something. And that's when you know, some of the reader stories in my book, people have just said that they were at a junction, for example, and they just knew they had to turn left or put their foot down on the brakes or, or whatever it, there was no hesitation. They just knew, and that action typically prevented presented, prevented them from being involved in an accident, that kind of thing. When you get this powerful feeling, I must do this, I know I've got to do that. that is precognition, and right. that's what you've got to tap into and, and pay attention to.
0: Actually, so you're talking about dreams, and what's another one, that you, another activity you can do every day to kind of build up?
1: Meditation, of course. Let's not underestimate the importance of meditation. Not doing two to three hours a day. I, I don't. T- who's got time for that? Literally, um, but just a few minutes of of stilling the mind, calming the mind. Meditation is a very, very powerful way to, to train to train your mind to start thinking more precognitively. And of course, if you are really an advanced student and, and and people who read the book, we really hope you will. You will take. You will do the controlled precognition in the book, which is so complicated. I can't typically you'd need three hours on the phone to explain it it is difficult but that's because it's scientific and it ties up with our website and on our website www.thepremonitioncode.com julia is working with a team of scientists to do a global experiment into the reality of precognition so when you read the book you're encouraged to work in tandem with the website and to do the exercises on the website um and your results anonymously if you want to, um, will be recorded so that we can identify the people who have a higher-than-chance higher, um, uh, uh, higher than chance, uh, uh, ability to predict the future or a future image that's going to appear on the screen. Right. So I would suggest doing some of the exercises on our website.
0: Right, Teresa, I'm kind of curious about this. Do you find that people's ability to have precognition is limited by what they're willing to allow into their reality. So, you, say for example, so they sense something that's in the future, but they can't bring it to fruition because it is so outrageous or such an affront to what they already believe in that they, they, they won't do it. I mean, are, you, are we l- people limited oh my goodness. by their frequency Fear biases? Is,
1: you are very wise. Fear is the biggest block to any psychic ability, precognition, telepathy, whatever psychic ability you want to develop fear is the biggest block fear of our own abilities fear of our abilities to shine and to, to release the extraordinary potential in our in our minds that is that is the biggest block you are absolutely right um, but in, interestingly uh, a recent scientific study actually showed that believing in precognition believing it's possible actually will increase your chances of being precognitive so we hope that this book, we hope that skeptics will read it and people who don't believe it. That by the end of it, we hope we've given enough evidence scientifically. Because every chapter you will you will see the footnotes at the end is backed up by rigorous scientific That's and academic research. To
0: back up the science, but you're getting a little bit more when it comes to precognition. I'm Sorry? wondering, are getting a little bit more to precognition when looking yes. at events that are happening on the world stage. I imagine that sometimes there are events that build up over the course of many years. Like I. Yeah. We've talked on our show about a couple events. I'm not going to go into it because our audience has heard me talk about it a million times. But something big, I think, is about to happen. Now, when it comes to these big events, how accurate? How likely are people who have this ability to see things in the future? Are they? Are you more likely to predict something that's going to happen within 30 days? within a year because sometimes you have people like,
1: so that's the definition of it, actually uh, the real scientific perspective precognition has to typically happen within three to four days okay um if, if it's if it's longer in time it isn't regarded as as, as such great data to use Very interesting. because so much else can go in the true precognition typically should be in quite a short space of time that you 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 have a dream or a hunch or a feeling or a knowing that something is going to happen and it should be within two or three days rather than too far ahead because so many other factors can come in and hind- with hindsight we tend to read things into our, our feelings or ideas that actually weren't there. We kind of rewrite what happened. So we're talking about, at the moment, being, the book is, is talking about being able to predict events that are going to happen within a more short space of time than long-term That's where we're we're focusing on on at the moment and that's that's because of the scientific um, studies that have been done that it's most accurate when it's within two to three days, no more than one or two weeks at the moment. Although this doesn't stop you from looking long term and there are people who are more advanced who are trained, you know, that you can train your precognitive abilities that you can get more and more to, to, to forecast long term. And I know Dr. Julia. She has um, an ambition of uh, having a Google map of the future, that, a bit like Google Maps that you can actually look at it and um, you can see that in the future this is going to happen or we're going to have this 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 um, weather. You know, looking into that's the future wild. like a Google Google map. That's that's her dream. Um, she is a bit of a visionary that way. That to create a Google map of the future that people can refer refer to. I mean, the book really is is very ambitious. What we're trying to create is a community of people who are training every day their precognitive abilities so that one day we could actually have people who are what we call positive precogs, people who have been scientifically validated as precognitives. And these people we'd like to work with. Find out what they're thinking about the future. But this this is the vision. You know the film Minority Report. Yes, I was
0: actually just about to bring that up. I actually <laughs> think that 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 might be something really negative because they're already doing stuff about pre-crime right now. They're already you know. Take, I do that
1: was pre-crime, so we that's why we say positive precogs because the pre-cogs in Minority Report have a rotten life. They just live in a pool, don't they? And they don't really have any relationships or fun. I think we so could
0: be, yeah, I think no, no, they, who no. knows? Why would the powers that be not want to take those people and say, listen? sit there do it. I wanted to bring two things to your attention one of them is that when it comes to meditation there's a gentleman who we've had on the show before his name is dr. Stephen Greer and mm-hmm. he's really an expert when it comes to UFO disclosure but he also is a meditation expert I was listening to his meditation tapes over the weekend and I have to say I thought this guy is amazing when he really talks about consciousness being the light that kind of shines through the windows and we're all a window and the light is the consciousness that we're all part of so I, you know, mm-hmm. some of the that's meditations beautiful. that he has and a book of yours that I see a, um, a kinship with is a book by Malcolm Gladwell called uh, uh, Blink And Blink
1: of her, course yes the science of thinking without thinking exactly what we've done that's Slightly different from hers is we've brought in a lot of my reader stories and um, and just collated the science of um, precognition. We've sort of done a sort of a potted history of, of where precognition research is right now. Um, and that was why it was so great to be working with someone who is actually, I um, mean, Dr. Judy Mossbridge is researching it. Right now, and her work's been published by the American Psychological Association as well. Her book *Transcendent Mind*, where she looks into transcendent states. So yeah, but *Blink* is is a great book. Yeah, I know know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a big bestseller, wasn't it? Help me
0: out. I'd say just um, it helped me understand people a lot. And I've read it at least twice, so highly recommend everyone out there check it out. *Blink*. And, and our book? <laughs> yeah, and your book, of course. Let's just tell you about the Premonition Code. Oh of course, <laughs> Great
1: times, isn't it? That, that, of course, we're going to recommend it. your book.
0: Now, Teresa, <laughs> in your experience, do you find that the future is controlled by those who have the strongest will? Do strong? Well, you see, that
1: person who is um, who is being influenced by the person with the willpower, they, for some reason, that's their will that they are, you know, you're saying that the other person is directing it, but the person who is having the, the you know, the other person con- controlling them in a way, if, if, you, if you think about the power of thought, that's a choice. That's their conscious choice. For whatever reason, in the drama of their life, they're choosing to take that role and empower these people. So in a way, they're just as powerful, because basically if someone has a lot of willpower and nobody pays attention to them, they, they don't have the power the other people give them power. So I think in a way, I, I see what you're saying, that, that there's certain people you know, who have big thoughts, dominant personalities who can impose their will on others, but you've got to realize that the, the other people are just as much a part of that person because they are choosing, and we all choose in our lives what, who we want to believe and who we want to follow. They're just as powerful to make that other person powerful, if you see what I mean. <laughs> uh, It's their choice to be allowed to have other people influencing their thoughts as well. That's that's what I think. I think that um, actually if you take away the people who do the bidding of someone with a, a lot of power, that person no longer has any power. So in a way, you could say the other people have the power. And they're the ones who need to change. They need to start having their own thoughts. That's where I see the future is people thinking for themselves and not always looking for a leader or a guru or someone to tell them what to do. That's what I dream of, and that's what I try and say in all my books. One of my books was about how to find heaven, and I say it's not through following other people. it's through. That's what I think we're here on this earth to learn, our own path, our own way. That's the biggest drama. Sorry, I'm going off a bit of a spiritual tangent here. But, like, um,
0: spirit? No, that's what the show's about, without exploring. Metaphysics. Yeah, you know,
1: um, it, 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 I do, do think that that's, that's part of the challenge for people who who don't have their own thoughts and are so influenced by others. And, of course, we live in an age now where that, that is very much happening through social media, through politics. It's quite a frightening time, actually. Um, I, guess so. the, I, I
0: think the, humanity's the, the, at the, the end. And you know, and I think I'm here, I'm here and some of the people, we're here for the last of our, we're here to have a good time while we just, while we sing on the Titanic, we're like the people playing the violins. Yes,
1: it does begin to feel, feel like that sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll have um,
0: fun, we'll have fun, we'll play our violins, we'll drink some beer as the Titanic goes down and we'll enjoy it. I mean, that's what we're here for. I don't know.
1: But one thing <laughs> is, it's like everything that's happening now, it's like, I feel like we're all just boiling. You know, there's going to be a, a tipping point. I think everything's sort of bubbling a, right. around the world at the moment.
0: Let's talk about that tipping point. Have you talked to any people that have this ability? Do they have an idea of what the tipping point's going to be or when it's going to happen? Because I'm curious about I it.
1: would think, I mean, from what I've been speaking to, to certain people who are very, very intuitive, psychic, obviously, and it's definitely by the end of the year, um, early next year that's, That there's going to be big changes. But I think at the moment we live in, I mean, literally you get up every morning and, and, and there's been another huge change I, I can't remember in my lifetime living in such a time where there's so much dramatic change, and it's almost like the dramatic change has become the norm now, hasn't it? I mean, how are we ever going to go back to <laughs> having a quiet time? It's just so... I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we are going to have
0: a quiet time. I don't, know, I don't know where it's going, but I always feel it's like you know, it's up to the individuals right now to to focus, and like, in addition to...
1: But it's happening for a reason. I think it's happening for a reason. It is to shake us up and to to make us know that we are in charge of our own destinies and our own thoughts. And, and I, it's all part, I mean, we're here on this earth to learn and to grow. And right now is such a fantastic time to learn and to grow. And that's why I write my books and this why I've, I was so happy to work on this book about precognition because I think developing that ability, if you care about your future and you want to create a more positive future for yourself, developing your abilities, your, your supernormal abilities is, is is a fantastically positive step that you can take for yourself and, and the planet.
0: Well, Teresa, in your book, Premonition Code, is not the only book you've written. You've actually written some other books. How to See Your Angels, Conversations in Heaven, An Angel Healed Me, An Angel Changed My Life. So you've written a lot about angels. I've written about, about 100.
1: Honestly, I'm a serial writer. I've been you're writing a serial yeah you're, you're very passionate. You're talking a lot about these angels. Angels. That was um, for me. Angels are angels are just spirituality. I mean, a lot of people. There was a time when you know, angels. People think of angels as wings and a halo, but when I wrote my angel books, angels really, basically, is just unconditional love, and that can express itself through other people, through animals, even through um, through intuitive hunches. Angels really for me in my books in the end became anything that was positive, loving and good in your life. That for me was was a, a touch of heaven. I, I mean, I'm not too sold on the idea that, you know, you can see angels floating around. Um, I know there are people who claim that they can. I, I I can't claim to say that I've ever experienced that. However, I do know that there have been times in my life when I felt touched by heaven. And that's what I've wanted to study um, and and I, as I said, I feel blessed that a lot of people write to me about times in their life when they believe they've been touched by heaven. Um, be that through a, a, a powerful dream of a departed loved one that imparted great wisdom, or a miraculous escape from an accident, um, through through the wise words of a of a of a grandparent at just the right time, through the random act of kindness of a stranger. All of that for me is Heaven manifesting itself on Earth, and I wish we could all focus a bit more on that. On, on we the probably good, I think we
0: can. We have a small group of people. They're called the elites. So the fat cat controllers who run everything. They basically are the one, the one percent, I mean, not the ones that we see on the surface, but the ones below that we don't see. I think they're, they're the invisible hand that are basically crushing humanity. I don't know yes. what's going to happen in the future, I, but I, I guess we're here for enjoy the ride. But as far as but I think
1: back, it's happening for a reason. Honestly, Ryan, I think it's happening for a reason because I mean sorry, I know we're, me, we're not putting up it, it, any
0: resistance because we're sitting because most people humanity I think well, a lot of people are cowards and they're not they're not willing to to take on and, and take the plunge with themselves and take this thing on. Because oh, it's
1: so much easier, and that's what I say in my book. It's so much <laughs> easier to just be told what to do
0: yeah.
1: and to not have to think for yourself. And I think this is why this is happening at the moment. Because I, I mean, certainly for me, I've suddenly got really engaged with the news, with politics, with what's going on in the world because of, of, of what's happening. Um, whereas I'm looking back 20 or 30 years ago that that certainly wasn't the case. Um, and, and I think this is all happening for a reason. It's a big wake-up call to wake, wake up for us all to take care of this planet and each other. And to focus on what really matters in this life because at the end of the day nobody as if they say nobody says i wish i'd spent more time at the office or i wish i'd spent more time earning money or whatever you focus on that feelings of love and and that's what you focus on at the end of your life because i have had the privilege of of being working in a hospice and, and being with people when they die and i know that the last words are always of love of eternal love and um I wish that was the first thing that we talk. Because so often you find that people focus on materialism, career, money, how they look, losing weight, etc. And then the very last thing after they've been through all that is suddenly they think about the spiritual, the, the deeper meaning. And what I'm trying to do, and I have a campaign going, make spirituality mainstream. Let that be the first thing you think about, not the last. I mean, I was doing a talk at a, a big expo, Um, a few months ago, and um, it was about health, money, wealth, all the ways you can be more positive. And, of course, the spiritual speakers were right at the end in the corner, whereas at the front it was like weight loss and all that. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful if that was the first stop?
0: talking about it. The meaning of
1: life, the meaning of life, the ultimate meaning of life. And I think that's what's so wrong with our children at the moment, that you know, the, the addiction to social media and the smartphones, it's, it's, there's not enough emphasis on why are we here, what's my meaning and what's my purpose and what truly matters. Um, and it's kind of tragic when you see sometimes people very late in life, suddenly it hits them that they've spent all their life focusing on the wrong priorities because it doesn't actually bring you great happiness at the end, what you think, materialism, relationships to a certain extent as well, um all these things that we focus on
0: but you've Teresa, got to does this idea ever pop love. in your mind that okay that, okay you come to earth and all these people here are preoccupied with pleasures of the flesh social yes. media beer getting a suntan you know whatever but then it's like well prior to this experience you were in the non-physical and you are not physical form so wouldn't your purpose to be come here it would be to experience all things physical is this are the things that we that we look at and say well well that's not really spiritual isn't it exactly why some people are here you're they're here to be lazy they're here to be oblivious they're here to forget about that they're part of an infinite spirit and that they're just here to kind of like forget about then um, take a vacation
1: I you you're right you're absolutely right I believe from people I've spoken to is about near-death experiences as well because I've, I've done a book about um, that too that yes, um, a lot of them say that the reason we we incarnate on Earth and 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 live our life on Earth is because we can learn more about ourselves through the physical experiences, and it's like it is a journey that we've got to go through, just to realize that the ultimate emptiness of it all at the end. Uh, it really is. We spend most of our lives focusing on things that do not matter, and the so- but the sooner we start to realize on Earth that what really matters. That's when I think life truly begins here on Earth, because suddenly you get it, you can kind of rise above, you can see why you're here, and it's a wonderful spiritual awakening. And and I'm sure you've spoken to many people who've who've reached that point, when it's like the switch has gone on, and they get it, they get why they're here, they understand the meaning of their life. Um, But I think you have to go through all those other human, very human things until you reach that point.
0: Cool. And um, just coming back to some of these angels, because you you've talked you have angels, angel babies, yeah. angel on my shoulder. You've got you know, nine different books about angels. Have you ever seen an angel up close? And just-
1: I've dreamt about them, but I haven't actually seen them. I mean, I know there are people who claim to have been able to see them, and um, I was very blessed that my two Sunday Times top ten were both angel books, where I talked about angels, how to see them, how to hear them, how to sense them in your lives, and I gathered lots of stories together, compelling stories of people who believe that they've seen angels, um, and angels have healed them. Um, a lot of people who wrote to me actually were nurses or in the medical profession, it's, it's glimpsing angels in hospitals is, is huge, and also paranormal activity around children, a lot of stories about that, how children uh, say that they've seen an angel or, or glimpsed, glimpsed um, something extraordinary um, I find that very interesting um, and I think sadly a lot of people when children do talk about seeing something paranormal or extraordinary, the instinctive reaction of their parents or carers is, is to shut it down and say it's nonsense and that, that's a real shame really um, but, but those I, 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 hospitals as well, as I said lots and lots of stories from nurses um, about angel visitations and yeah angel healed me that kind of thing Mir- miraculous healings as well um, when people have glimpsed an angel and they've woken up the next morning literally and you know i mean anita morjani actually uh, um, she wrote a book dying to be me didn't she I, I was able to interview her and she was riddled with cancer um and then had a kind of a near-death experience where she saw angels and went to heaven and literally the, the, the doctors were scratching their heads the next morning because her cancer had almost gone. Um, and nobody could explain why because she was basically told that she was going to die. Wonderful stories like that which give you such pause for thought.
0: Oh, that's pretty awesome. I'm sure that you probably have some wonderful examples. I have a weird thing when it comes to angels is that one of my goals in this lifetime is to have an angel appear to me and fight with it. I want to get into an argument with the angels and just say, look, who do you guys think you are? Coming in, <laughs> you know, you, you get the five-second photo shot because you saved some life. Where were you when people exactly were working nine to that, five? It, you know, it, oh, you come and you do one save, and what, you think that you're supposed to be glorifying? You know, I
1: can't... I have lost count of the number of times people have written to me and say, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Um, it is such a huge topic, and and... One example I give time and time again is that there is a reason why bad things happen to good people. And if I can explain it with a metaphor, perhaps we shouldn't know the answer to that question. For example, we know why a woman screams in pain when she gives birth to a child. We're not that concerned because we know the reason why. And if we knew the reason for every suffering and why things happen, we would probably become nonchalant and wouldn't show compassion to other people. It would be a world without compassion, and that's not a world we, sh- we-, we would want to live in. Um, that's, that is a metaphor I use. Um, another one I use is um, if you look at a tapestry, the underside is all knots and messy ends. And you think, that doesn't make sense. But then you turn it over in spirit or in heaven, and you see the bigger picture on top that it makes sense. And I know this isn't a very satisfying answer for someone who's been through hell and back, but it's it's all in my limited human terms that I can give as metaphors to try and explain the reason why bad things happen to good people. First of all, I think we should never stop asking that question, because every time we ask it, we show compassion to each other. If we knew the answer we would be less compassionate. And then the second answer is that maybe in spirit and in heaven, there is a bigger picture that on this earth, in this plane, we simply are not aware of.
0: I'm curious about that. And Here's a here's an idea that I have. I don't know anything about this, but I'm wondering if bad things could be happening to you because of what you're going to do in a future life incarnation. Because everyone says, Oh, you know, this has happened because of something I did in a past life. Well, let's just look at the idea that we die and boom, we're in eternity where all things past, present, and future exist. So that would yes. mean that your present life, your past life, your future life are all existing. So what if you know, you're okay in this lifetime, but your next lifetime you're kind of a jerk. And <laughs> you know, you're dealing with the common ramifications for what you are doing in your next life incarnation.
1: Yep. Uh, that's that I, I reincarnation big topic i'm still not sure where i, I stand on reincarnation I, I keep an open mind um but i i do know people who who believe that the reason bad things are happening is to, in this life is because of something that they did in a previous life um i very much feel that the reason things happen to us is to learn empathy um and if we have been a bad person i think in spirit we will experience the suffering that we caused others until we learn empathy, because I am a firm believer that the reason we're on this earth is to learn and, and that spirituality is constant curiosity, learning, and evolution. Um, and we need to constantly evolve and learn and grow. So if you do bad things, in, when you go into spirit or heaven, you will experience the suffering that you've caused others until you learn empathy. Um, I think empathy for others is um, a powerful way for us to grow as spiritual beings because I think our, our, our evolution and our growth is eternal.
0: Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. You brought that up because in our we did a show, The Death Show, and
1: uh, at yeah. the,
0: the 15 people we had on the show talking about uh, their experiences dying on back. I think almost all of them said that we get the end-of-life review where every thought, deed, action that we perpetuated upon people, we experienced all that right back. So no one escapes us. Yeah, and that's
1: what I say to my, my people who write to me. I say, just think about it. If this is We, we don't know 100%, but say this is the case. I, I, what you're doing with your life right now, is that something you want to watch back? <laughs> and if the answer is no, change it. <laughs> that is so, just an awesome thought, isn't it? That you you're going to be watching I, this I'm a back. prankster.
0: I like to pull pranks on people. And I, yes. I'm also the recipient of many pranks, so I, I'm actually living a life right now where I, yes, I definitely want to see the replay. I definitely want to see the reaction from all the pranks. <laughs>
1: well, you're in a good place then, because I mean, you you wouldn't believe most lot of people um, who who write to me. You know, they're they're not not very happy with themselves or their yeah. lives, and that that also made me think that uh, one of the biggest challenges of our life is is to to love ourselves. I think that is yeah. that is the greatest, to risk being cliche. That is the greatest love of all. Because that is the foundation of, of spiritual development is, is, first of all, having some self-love. And I think that is the biggest hurdle for a great majority of people, to actually, how do they love themselves? Because if you can't love yourself, how on earth can you love others or love this beautiful planet that we live in? Um, And people need to be told how to love themselves, actually, because there's no manual. Every religion, every spiritual movement says, oh, self-love is important, but nobody actually tells you how to do it. Um, And I have found in in the many years I've been writing about paranormal, that is the biggest problem, the biggest block is is lack of self-love, and that leads to fears and anxieties and everything. So a, a lot of my books actually are a journey to try and help people fall in love with themselves and not try and find themselves through material things or through other people.
0: Awesome. Well, I want to ask you a little bit about your abilities. But first, I just want to bring to your attention and the audience's attention two quick pranks that you can pull on someone you love that I guarantee are going to bring a lot of love and peace in your life. First off, when your significant other is taking a shower, get a bucket of cold water and just (laughs) wait and dump it on them. And they're gonna. Ah! And that that's something that's kind of fun. I, I my wife gets me with that prank all the time. Another prank is, you get your laptop and you get a sound of dishes breaking, like on YouTube, and you play it really loud. And then you go, Oh no! And then the person will run out thinking that you broke all the dishes, but everything's gonna be fine. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you see, you're great because I think that's another thing that's totally lacking in. In spirituality, the paranormal. Everybody takes some themselves fun so in seriously because yeah, you if you're not having fun, seriously. you know. I've been to so many retreats or or psychic development classes, honestly, and you'd think that we were we were we were we we we, were, we I don't know. it was so serious, humorless, um, and that's 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 probably why you know younger people perhaps aren't attracted to spiritual development or not there needs to be more life there needs to be more humor there needs to be more energy um, and, you know you're absolutely along the right lines
0: <laughs> but so we're funny actually I got that idea from Stuart wild He's our, um, he, he used a metaphysical teacher and he used to always put a lot of humor into his teaching so I always thought like you know if I I we've all
1: been there, haven't we? I've been to many a meditation class where people have lain on the floor and then the person next to you here, no. you know. <laughs> I mean, that is funny. I, I, you know, it is funny. Um, there, there, is, there is humor into it and people are falling asleep, you know, and they're trying to meditate. And there is a lot of humor to the mindfulness movement as well. Uh, if you've been to mindfulness seminars, you know, people staring at raisins, for fifteen minutes, things like that, and then savoring the raisin, you know, um, to to experience the taste. I mean, it is actually that. It, it, some of it is quite plainly ridiculous. It takes itself far too seriously, um, and um, I'm glad. Have you do you know J.P. Sears?
0: Yes, we actually had him on our show. Oh, and you I, lucky yep. devils! I'm oh, I am such a Oh, I saw him in person. Yeah, he's got a pretty fun set of humor. We had a good time.
1: He's funny, isn't he? Um, he's got the right idea. <laughs> and I think through reverse psychology, he is teaching far more about spirituality than a lot of people who are trying to do it the, sort of the other way. Um, I mean, because he teaches through reverse psychology, obviously. and but it's some, I have doubled up with laughter with some of his videos
0: he's pretty cool I watched him do stand-up comedy and I noticed how he was talking about shadow processing and trying to incorporate it into the into, like, humor and I talked to him after the show I said JP I said I think it's pretty cool that you're incorporating advanced metaphysical concepts into a comedy show like even if you don't get people on the conscious level you're hitting on the subconscious level but um I
1: because I think once once you make I mean if I do talks for example I do quite a few talks I always try early on if you get them laughing they're with you if you can get some humor into it straight from the beginning you've got their in- engagement and and in another life you know many moons ago i was a teacher as well and i find that that laughter is a great way to immediately engage and and interest students in in a topic um it, 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 it's not easy though and I, I think we all take ourselves too seriously sometimes especially in in the paranormal movement um but you try working with a bunch of scientists which
0: I think <laughs> I don't know how you did that yeah I because mean, I you, you're scientifically minded and metaphysics I imagine those two worlds will crash I, what are your books? it's pretty cool hit this the name of the book is called become the force nine lessons how to live uh, I, you,
1: I thought I was gonna hide from that yeah do you know I went on um a good morning television in the UK and with Piers Morgan with my lightsaber <laughs> and had a gritting <laughs> From him about, you know, he was saying this is all nonsense. And really? what was fascinating is he just didn't have an awareness because what we were trying to explain is the Force is simply consciousness, spirit. And it's every, every religion talks about this. And it was like we were, you know, Star Wars groupies. No, the, the Force, there's a reason why the Star Wars movies are so popular. It's the Force, that it's that, that power, and that Force is consciousness. It's, it's, it's spirituality, um, and trying to explain that, and I will try any way to make spirituality mainstream, including going around with a lightsaber. Yeah, I did a, a book with the head of the Church of Jediism. Um,
0: <laughs> Who'll cool. cool.
1: become the Force? Yeah, All and right. it was it was terrific fun. I
0: guess the one question I have is that you've got nine lessons how to live as a Jedi master. What is the yes. one What is the one key lesson you would say would be? One a, key
1: lesson, a... easy curiosity. curiosity. A Jedi is curious. Always curious. Never says he knows. As soon as you say you know something, evolution stops. Beware of people who say that I know. I have the aunt. Always keep an open mind. Um, And they're the most amazing people who who, who always keep... And that's where I have struggled um, when I talked with skeptics. Much as I admire them and I understand where they're coming from, I always say to them, you could be right. Could you not at least allow the possibility that I could be right too? Um, but when people say, no, you're wrong, I know the answer. And that's when my bone of contention against religion as well. Mm. A lot of religions, it's it's my way or the highway. That's not, I mean, because originally, I mean, I read theology at Cambridge University. I wanted to, to go into the church. I was, I was deeply committed. But as I studied theology, I also studied other religions. And I began to see every religion is a path to something beautiful. And then. I went beyond that and could see that it was all, I've been deeply spiritual rather than one specific religion. However, I say to people, if, if, if your religion speaks to you and brings you closer to heaven and it harms no one, there's nothing wrong with it. But don't tell me that because it works for you, it's got to work for me. And, and I think that's where everything goes wrong in the world when people think, well, it works for me. And yeah, it may work for you, but it doesn't mean to say we're all different, we're all unique, and we've all got to find our own. Uniquely
0: uh, different path. No, I feel the same way. I think once somebody tries to infringe upon me or try to push their stuff upon me, I I get really upset. And actually, I apologize. I, I apologize to the listeners of the show, uh, last show, because at the beginning of yeah, a you're making show. Yeah, uh, you all do practical jokes now. <laughs> well, I, I know. I wasn't pulling a joke on that. I, 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 I did a little soapbox rant about how upset I was about the church. I said, you know, don't listen to this I stuff. Turn kind of away from it. I'm like, you
1: know, who am I? I, just, I, mean, I everyone who listens to, to this up. show
0: is capable of doing it. There's no reason to, to, to preach. I'm like, you know, I, I'm I'm a radio show. I'm a person who asks questions. I'm not here to preach. I'll be a bad preacher anyway. Cause I would... Yeah,
1: no. I mean, it is true. Actually, people are looking for guidance and advice, but it, it's it's. Just, I do try myself to say, in my opinion, or I try and say, um, this may may work for me, but it may not work for you. But this is what worked for me. Try it that kind of kind of approach. But it is very tempting sometimes when you are so excited about something, um, to, to sort of like ram it down people's throats. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I see I, I understand that, but I, I I'm trying very hard to say, yeah, I'm fascinated by the paranormal. I can't understand people, for example, who aren't fascinated by psychic abilities and things like telepathy and precognition yeah, and it's or, so cool. I it's mean, so, what people so talking about right now
0: in the, the world—they're all concerned about, you know, the, the, hor- the, the horrible news that it's like, who died today? This, I mean, this. What about psychic perception? No, exactly. do you have psychic ability, or do you? Are you just perpetually curious? I'm curious. Um,
1: I think I have had glimpses in my life, and, and in, in my books, I do talk about times in my life where I, I feel I've had um, a great psychic experience. Um, but I would not say, I'm not going to claim, although it's interesting, actually, that the media tries to say, I mean, I had once in in the Daily Express here, they they put the world's greatest psychic as my title, and I thought, where? I never said I was psychic. I was studying it, but that's how the media does it. It wants to put labels on you, and they can't understand that I'm writing about the paranormal. I was born into a family of, of psychics and spiritualists, I have done readings and etc., but I would not say I'm a psychic or I'm a medium, but the media always tries to put labels on you, um, and that's, that's quite scary. And I can see, actually, some people who would be given that label and then would run with it because it's a media hook. Um, and I've seen that, actually, with people who have had sort of intuitive ability, but the pressures of being told they've got to perform... They actually claim to be something that they're not. Um, And there is a lot of fraudulent behavior in this profession, and I I, I abhor that. And that's why I'm working with scientists, because I dream of one day there being scientifically validated mediums, for example. At the Windbridge Institute, um, I've done some work with Dr. Judy Byshaw, who's testing mediums scientifically. She wrote a foreword for a book I did last year called Answers from Heaven, where I was looking into mediumship. Um, and she, her dream is to have scientifically validated mediums who are tested scientifically, va- scientifically, and then can work alongside grief counsellors. Because at the Windbridge Institute, um, the New York Times actually covered uh, um, some of her studies. She's getting fantastic results from scientifically testing mediums um, done in a scientific way. Um, that is really very exciting. It's www.windbridgeinstitute.org. Um, and the and, and same now with Dr. Judy Mossbridge and precognition. I'm looking at it to try and... Because the thing is, anyone can stand up and say they're psychic, can't they? And and charge a lot of money and then use cold reading. I'm, I'm aware of that and I I, I I abhor that and I'm trying Me to... Me too. I find it disgusting. It.
0: I've interviewed a lot of psychic, and there's some who I have uh, had personal contact with and I just I just didn't... It was in an intuition too. I was like, no, I don't believe it. Yeah, it com- I mean... But they're
1: very convincing, aren't they? And the thing is, they do get vulnerable people, and I can understand why the sceptics tell me and say, you know, you know, grief vampires. You know, they call mediums like grief vampires. you know, they, they're, they're trying to get money out of people's um, grief and, and, and people's vulnerability with a psychic. And, and they're, they're, there is a point to that. There are a lot of people, it's unregulated, and I would love to see regulation. And that's what I've started to do. My work with the Windbridge Institute on mediumship my work now with IONS and Dr. Julia Mossbridge is about precognition. I'm going to work my way through all the psychic things to try and put something in place. It's it's an ambitious vision, but it's something I I do kind of feel called to do. That I could try and put something scientific in place because I've I've written about it so much, and I'm I'm very blessed at the stage in my life when I can do this. Wow. So that's what I'm trying to do to get some sort of like, you know, a standard set.
0: <laughs> well, I love the fact that you're incorporating science into it because, you know, you coming back to this idea you you deal with organized religion and dealing with other people. And they're always reach re- this point, reach this point where uh, they don't think that they're wrong, and they're not open to you being right. But I love the work that you're doing, Ms. Teresa Chung. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Again, the book is called The Premonition Code, and we can learn more. That's about it. That's a
1: great it. movie title, isn't it? That I think it's a everybody great movie says it title. sounds the, like the a movie.
0: <laughs> code. And also, let's just let's keep in mind that there are other books, Ms. Chung. Answers from Heaven. Heaven called my name. Twenty rituals change your life. The ten secrets of heaven. There's another book I forgot to even mention, which was uh, the
1: afterlife is it? real is a, a bestseller. And also my element encyclopedias, um, which went all over the world. Actually, the element encyclopedia of twenty thousand dreams, dreams. Element in, There's a big right element Encyclopedia.
0: Psych- yeah, I did that with
1: Harper Collins a long time ago. So I've I've done my time. I've done my research. You've
0: a lot of books. And the other one I love, psychic. Cats and it's amazing oh, you yes, wrote the that book that was not my
1: finest hour. Not really. Um, I think it's um, a great
0: because my, my cat uh, is psychic. My cat absolutely n- knows what's going to happen. I, I like ask the cat. I go, "Hey, what's going on? Who's going to win the game?" It's like, but look, "Oh my!" The I, came, I, I think
1: lo- love in any form. I mean, uh, the love that people. I mean, love that people have for their pets is is for me love in any form is is sacred. And you know, I uh, dogs cats. You know the love, that animal, the unconditional love that animals have for their owners is for me heaven on earth. Um, I think they're four-legged angels, cats and dogs. Um, it's it's absolutely beautiful bond, and and a lot of people sometimes feel closer to their pets. This is reality than they do to to people in their lives.
0: I love my animals. You know, I would say my animals, most people on the planet, I wouldn't care for. My my, my fur babies. You know, you're Zeus,
1: not alone, Katie, I love them. Yeah, and it's because it's the unconditional love. And there's such an ego boost as well because you can come home at the end of the day feeling rotten, you know, your hair a mess or whatever, and they don't care. <laughs> They're just so happy to see you, and, uh, you know, that's that's the biggest ego boost, I think, for people.
0: <laughs> yeah. I have my, my, two, my two pups, Zeus and Gaia. They're in the studio right now with me, and they I made a couple mistakes during the interview, and they are do it like, Daddy, it's okay. You're cool. You give this treat. Now,
1: these are people or these are dogs? Oh, the dogs, yeah, the dogs. <laughs> yeah, I've got two dogs and two cats. So oh, my
0: goodness. We
1: definitely have and they do it's live so together cool. harmoniously. Um, do you have two dogs and two cats? or? Uh, no,
0: just one cat, two dogs, and the, the cat, oh, cat, oh, cat, yeah, the the cat who is psychic. Yeah, the cat who is psychic controls everything.
1: Oh, they are. They're, they're, you can see why they were wor- worshipped in times past, can't you? Something so regal. Oh, my God,
0: yeah. The cat gets everything. The dogs and cats, they get everything. <laughs> everything is organic, everything is natural. I mean, it's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, get back to you, Ms. Teresa Chung, a little more about you by going to your website at Teresa Chung, and I'll spell it, T-H-E-R-E-S-A Chung, dot com. The book is called The Premonition Code, and, again, several other books. Teresa, we love having you on. We'd love to have you back on in the future. Thank you so much for being with us. We'd
1: love to do that. Thank you very, very much. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our wonderful guest, Ms. Teresa Chung. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, psychic medium, Kerry O'Connor, psychic empath, Lisa Kaza, and astrologer, the astrophenom, Wisconsin Stellas. To learn more about the Outer Limits, Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace. Love and beers. I foresaw that you would have some beers based on the premonition Code that we learned on today's program. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you back here next week.